We're kicking off a new series. We're going to look in in the book of Matthew. It's a short sermon series. We're just going to come looking at the gift. And you saw that slide up there. We're going to talk about three different gifts that the wise men uh, brought. Uh, We all have wise men in our nativity scene. We have three. We're not sure why. But let me give you some context in in Matthew chapter 2. We know this, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. There was some wise men, or some of you might refer to them as magi. They traveled a great distance to come and worship Jesus. Now, how many wise men were there? Many of us, if you look at your nativity scene, many of us have three. There's always been three men. We tend to think there was three, maybe there was three gifts brought by a bunch of men. There was probably dozens, but let's go with tradition, and tradition tells us three. What we know for sure about these wise men were they were highly educated. They were incredibly wealthy. They were desperate, and I love this, they were desperate to meet the one who was the savior of the world. Scripture tells us that when they saw the star, and this is in Matthew chapter 2, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Admittedly, when Michelle and I had two children, we certainly did not receive gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, what in the world are those kind of gifts? I mean, when we had babies, we got diapers, we got onesies, We got a slew of pacifiers. To be honest, technology back then hadn't really entered into the world of baby showers. It was all about the practical elements. Wise men offered three gifts. They offered gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were not only valuable, they were incredibly practical. But more importantly, they were deeply spiritual. In fact, all biblical scholars would agree that these gifts were not very practical for this family. But I'll tell you why, as as Trent and I go through the next few weeks, that they foreshadowed images of who Jesus was and what Jesus would represent. Gold, valuable in itself, represented the, the kingship of Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. Myrrh, next week we're going to actually talk about myrrh in two weeks, gold. Myrrh represented Jesus as the suffering servant, or maybe what you refer to him as the the Lamb of God. Today, we're going to talk about frankincense. Before I, I tell you the meaning of frankincense, let me tell you a little bit about frankincense. According to some essential oil advisors, which many of us have different people in our life who love essential oils, 
Frankincense is an oil that's kind of like a Swiss army knife. It's useful in so many areas. Well, let me tell you what I know about frankincense. Frankincense possesses all kinds of qualities. It's antiseptic, it's astringent, it's carminative, it's diuretic, it's digestive, it's sedative. Okay, I don't know what any of that means, but I read it somewhere. What does a pastor do during the week beside preach on Sundays? Well, we look up stuff just like you do. We go down rabbit holes on the internet, just like all of us do. We start searching frankincense, then we start looking at cats, and the next minute we're seeing a singing beaver. What I do know is frankincense is incredibly expensive. It's a practical gift that would heal sickness or treat wounds. Frankincense was the oil that the priests would use to make sacrifices uh, during sacrifices to actually burn the incense. And the smoke would rise up to heaven, symbolizing the prayers of the people, rising in faith to God. That's why so many biblical scholars would agree that frankincense represents the, the priesthood of Jesus. Or as we're going to talk about today, Jesus as our high priest. Why would Jesus be our high priest? The priest in, in Scripture actually served one primary role that was broken into two functions. The priest essentially would be the representative of the people before God. First, the priest made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. As the priest, he would take an innocent animal, he would sacrifice it to represent the forgiveness of the people's sins. Second, the priest prayed prayers on behalf of the people to, uh, on, on behalf of the people to God, representing, I'm God to the people. We see Jesus as our high priest. Jesus fulfills these two things. Well, let's start with the sacrifice uh, for our sins. Since the very moment in the Garden of Eden, even when Eve sinned against God, there was two opposing forces. There was on one side the holiness of God, and on the other side the sinfulness of mankind. Now here's the challenge. We have to understand the reality of sin because the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man are in dramatic competition with each other. If we don't understand the holiness of God, then you and I will always have a casual approach to sin. Until we realize what it means that God is holy, we'll never realize the cost and the tragedy of what sin does to us. God is holy. The holiness of God. Well, what does it mean that, that God is actually holy? The, the word holy comes from a Greek word, agios, which means separate. It means other. Our God is perfect in every single way. He's flawless. He's pure. There is no fault. There's no wrong. There's no stain in him. Our God is completely other. He's separate. He's perfect. So we need to understand that the holiness 
isn't just one of the attributes of God. Holiness is the perfection of all of those attributes. God's power is holy. His grace is holy. His mercy is holy. His glory is holy. It's his holiness, his otherness, his separateness, his purity that makes him worthy of our praise. Our God is holy, and our challenges were not. None of us are. Not a single one of us. Scripture tells us that every one of us, we've all sinned. We've all done something that's wrong. We've all fallen short of God's standard. God looks at us and sees that our intimacy with him has been broken because of sin. Do you remember that verse in Romans chapter 3, verse 23? For all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. This is why God hates sin. Because it's, it's everything that he's not. It's the opposite of holiness. It disrupts our intimacy. His fellowship with us and sin separates us from God. It breaks our life. It destroys our life. And therefore, God hates sin. Holiness and sin cannot exist together. The high priest in the Old Testament, one time a year, would make a sacrifice as a temporary payment for the sins of the people. It was known as the the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. And the priest would sacrifice an innocent animal and go into the tabernacle behind the veil, into the place known as the Holy of Holies. The priest then would would light the frankincense, and the incense would, would smoke as rising up into heaven. You would see the smoke in the distance. And that smoke represented the cries of of God's people for mercy. And And the priest would take the blood of the innocent lamb. He would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And this would symbolize the, the death of an innocent one in the place of the guilty ones. It was like a payment for our sins. How many of you have ever heard of the term scapegoat before? The term came from this. The the priest would take a goat, an innocent goat. He would confess the sins of the people. He would symbolically transfer the sins on the goat. And then he would drive the goat into the wilderness or sometimes off a cliff. Therefore, the first animals always died as a sacrifice. It was the payment uh, for the price of, of sin. Symbolically, the scapegoat would be run out of the community, symbolizing that the sins of the people had been separated from, from the person of God. Seriously, guys. If you think of this, if you've never heard of this before, you, you, you take this innocent, cute little animal, you cut his throat, you put blood in a bucket, you pour it on a mercy seat, and then you pray. It's weird. It's extreme. 
It seems entirely unfair that this innocent little animal would die in our place. Who could come up with something like this? Here's what you have to understand. Because God is just, completely just, he must punish sin. But God is not only just, he's also merciful. And here's the beauty of what God does. The sacrifice satisfies God's justice. And at the same time, it extends mercy. It's the price that is paid. But someone else pays that price for the forgiveness of sins. So God's holiness, God's justice is satisfied, and yet he extends mercy to the people that he loves so much. This was a temporary covering under the old covenant. But we know this, we're not people of the old covenant. We're under a new covenant. And I want to tell you about a new and better sacrifice. Here's what Hebrews 10 verse 10 says. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once, once and for all. For God's will, as scripture says, it was so that we would be holy. We're not holy in what we do. But it's God's will that we would be holy. Well, how are we made holy? We're made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. It was only a temporary covering for our sin, but our high priest, whose name is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. It was good for all time. It wasn't a temporary covering, but Jesus, as the high priest, offered his life, shedding his innocent life as a covering for our sins, satisfying the justness of God and extending mercy to God's creation. God loves you so much. Whenever God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness. But he sees the righteousness, the covering of Christ. This is our high priest who gave his life. He satisfied the justice of God while extending mercy. Jesus is our great high priest. He is a high priest who, who understands and cares. Scripture says this about our high priest. It's found in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Friends, stay with me. This high priest, Jesus, understands our weakness. For he faced all the same situations we do, but he didn't sin. I hope you'll understand and embrace the truth that whatever you're going through, Jesus understands. He relates to our trials. 
He sympathizes with our pain. Whatever you're going through at this very moment, he understands what you're going through. If you feel stressed right now, you're overwhelmed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus' friends abandoned him and he knew what was coming, he fell to the ground and he said, My soul is overwhelmed in agony, even to the point of death. If you face anxiety, he understands. If you deal with crazy people in your family, guess what? Jesus dealt with crazy people in his family. Think about how much Jesus understands so you can think about how much he cares. Jesus was conceived out of, out of wedlock to a teenage mom. That was scandalous. He was raised in a small town where everyone would whisper about him. Jesus lived in poverty. He was criticized. He was ridiculed. He was bullied. He was tempted by the devil again and again. When he was at his weakest and most vulnerable, he didn't sin. Jesus experienced the death of a close friend. He grieved the loss of family members. He was accused of things that he didn't do. His friends betrayed him. Worst of all, he felt abandoned on the cross because when Jesus, the great high priest, became sin for us, when he became the scapegoat, when he gave his life for us, God looked away. Why did God look away? Because God is, is too holy to look upon sin. And Jesus cried out in agony, My God, my God, where are you? If you've ever felt like you couldn't reach the presence of God, Jesus understands. Whatever you felt, Jesus have felt. Wherever you've hurt, he's your great high priest who comes alongside of you. Jesus is not sitting in heaven going, well, that sucks to be you. No, he is our high priest who has experienced all the pain of being in a human body, all the emotion of being rejected by friends, all the agony of hurting, of feeling alone, of feeling abandoned. Imagine, imagine if you can, the details of our God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh. God, born in the form of a child, loves you, cares about you, has his great divine providence in motion, sent the magi, these wise men, to offer gifts, prophetically declaring the nature of that baby of Jesus. He's the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, frankincense, the gold, the myrrh. He's our high priest who would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. We could actually pray prayers to our God in heaven. That is why scripture is so important when it tells us this in Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, you can come boldly to him. 
You can come boldly to him because he cares. You can come boldly to him because he understands. Let us approach the throne of our gracious God so that we can receive mercy. His justice has been satisfied, so he extends mercy. And what will we find in our high priest? We find grace when we need it the most. You too can come to him today. You can come to him as you are. Come boldly. You don't have to cower. You don't have to hide. You don't have to be afraid when you come to him. Today, what I want you to do is, is give God a chance. And I want to give you a little gift even as we meet electronically. I want you to spend a few minutes with God in his presence. How long has it been since you really enjoyed it if you're hurting today today i want you to give your hurts to him come boldly to the throne of grace i'm going to ask my friends brett and danielle to come up they're going to play behind me as i keep talking here for a few minutes then they're going to lead us in a song you don't need to sing just sit there in god's presence come and go just to God. Talk to him. Maybe you need to say, Father, we have this great high priest, Jesus, who sacrificed his life for the forgiveness of sins. Maybe you just need to take a moment and, and talk to him. Jesus cares about you. He understands the details of your life. Those of you who have a loved one, maybe far from God, you might just say the name in the next few minutes and whisper it. Or you may say it in your mind of someone that you love dearly. Take that person to God's throne. Understand that, that Jesus is praying for that person even right now. Who is Jesus in this moment to you? He is the high priest who is our savior. If you're struggling financially and you feel the real weight of the world on you so much, so many expenses, so, many, so few resources, just tell him, I'm afraid, God, I'm hurting. Jesus, your high priest, is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. He meets all your needs according to God's glory. Maybe you're hurting emotionally. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Your high priest is your comforter. He's been where you've been. He hurts like you. He understands. Maybe you're struggling physically or someone you love just got a bad medical report. Jesus, your high priest, bore stripes upon his back so that he could be your healer. Cry out to him. You're tired, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed. You don't feel like you can hold it together any longer. You're broken, you're weak. When you're weak, Jesus, the high priest, is your strength. He understands in your weakness that his strength is made complete. Call to him, he is your high priest. Who is Jesus? He is your high priest. He is the Lamb of God. He is innocent in every way, just like that innocent animal. He was innocent. He's never sinned. Therefore, he could give his life to satisfy God's justice 
and in return extend God's mercy to you. This is the gospel. It means good news. It's the most amazing news that God loved you so much that he became one of you. He gave his life to you. Jesus died and rose again so that anyone, and this includes you, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how dark your life feels. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. There are those of you, today you recognize you just need his mercy. You need his forgiveness. You're not made right with God because you've done something good. You're made right with God because Jesus is perfect in every way. God, in the next few minutes, as we sit in silence, may we cry out to you. May we not be scared. May we not be nervous. May we just say, this is just part of, of the internet TV. May we actually be in your presence. Calm our hearts. Allow us to view you as, as the high priest, the representative, and the one that, that covers our sin. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.